Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Bronwyn Kerr. Bronwyn is from Marlboro, New Zealand, which is New Zealand wine country, and she works from home making decorative horse gear. Welcome, Bronwyn. Thank you for having me, Jen, and it's an honor to talk to you. Well, it is an honor to talk to you as well, and I love talking to people from the other side of the world, as it were, because... Right now, we're recording Thursday here, but you're living in Friday. It's already Friday where you are, so you are in the future. Is everything still good on Friday? Everything's good? (laughs) Yes, although autumn has suddenly struck with a vengeance over here. It's very cold today. Uh, It's cold here, too. We're having a cold spring. By the time this comes out, it'll be May, though, and I will not be cold at all. It will be very hot, but you'll probably be cold by, by May. We will be. Yes, we will. You will be. (laughs) It is so weird to think about, you know, because we have 
here, our summer, of course, and then our winter, like Christmas is in the winter here where it's cold, where you're the opposite. I can't imagine a, a hot summer. No, it's nice though. We can get out on the beach. I mean, a hot Christmas is what I meant. A hot Christmas. I can't imagine a hot Christmas. So anyway, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I said it backwards. Anyway, it's great to talk to you. So I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, I've been hunting for the answer all my life, like a lot of us have. I've been overweight since I was about five years old, and my mother put me on Weight Watchers for the first time when I was 11, I think. Um, That was before they even... Oh, my gosh. That's the earliest I've ever heard, 11. Yeah. (laughs) I think um, before they had the points system, and I can remember having to eat boiled fish, which was absolutely disgusting. I'm not a fan of fish. And cottage cheese and salad, which for an 11-year-old, it was disgusting. And you were allowed three teaspoons of fat a day, butter or margarine, and that was it, or mayonnaise. That was what they called exchanges back at that time. You had like exchange. I don't remember. My mother did something like that around then. Yeah, it might have been. I don't know. Mum didn't take me to meetings. I don't think they would have had an 11-year-old back then either. She just put me on the same plan she was doing. So, yes. But anyway, I was glad she did because I was down at a normal weight when I went off to boarding school when I was 13. That was an interesting experience too. I'm looking back on that. I'd been doing Delay, Don't Deny for several months when I was looking back on my boarding school days and talking to a friend about them and realised that I actually ended up doing fasting without knowing it in my first couple of years of boarding school. It was um, not a fun experience for me. I didn't enjoy boarding and um, got bullied quite a lot. All of our year got bullied so badly that they banned the fag weeks and they banned initiation ceremonies after that. So Hopefully things improve for the future people. But the worst thing for me was having to go to the meals in the dining room, which was breakfasts and dinners, because you had to sit at a mixed table with older girls, a set table that you were assigned to. And I hated it. So I would only eat lunch and I'd go back for seconds at lunch, have a huge lunch and nothing else. (laughs) So you were having one meal a day at lunchtime and you didn't even know it? No, I didn't. But I maintained a healthy weight right through boarding school until seventh form, which is what they, well, I don't know what you call it over there, but was when I was about 17, 18 the seniors get given their own lounge area and we had a toaster and um, we could make endless toast with butter and marmite and all sorts. And I started to gain weight again. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All those senior privileges. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How common is boarding school in New Zealand for for kids? Is Is that very typical? It's not typical, but it's not uncommon either. A lot of country kids, I grew up in the country, and a lot of country kids will go to boarding school because it's not practical to go to a day school. But mine was 200 miles away from home. Okay. I was just curious because we don't have, you know, we don't have a lot of boarding schools in America. So it's it's something we read about in novels. Yeah, very English, I guess. <laughs> We're all from English stock over here. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So you, you finished school. Yes. And I went to university and I enjoyed running back then too. I haven't been able to run more recently due to arthritis, but I enjoyed running and I was reasonably active and I did manage to keep my weight down just with a, about every spring really, I would do a bit of Weight Watchers for a few weeks and get myself back down to 11 stone, which is about 155 pounds, I think. And how tall are you? I'm five foot six, which is 168 centimetres. 
so that was about right for me. Um, I've since looked at BMI charts and 70 kilos is 11 stone, which we work in kilos in New Zealand now, but I was brought up with a mother and father who worked in Imperial. <laughs> so yes, we every spring I'd, I'd get back down to 11 stone so I could fit into my riding jacket and show my horse all summer. And then every winter I'd um, put a wee bit back on again. So that was a continuing cycle. Then I got married when I was about 29. I had children at 30 and 34 and 36, and each time put on more weight. I lost it with Weight Watchers after the second child, got back down to 74, so that was pretty good, but straight away put it back on with the third pregnancy. And then after that, it just got impossible to lose, and I tried all sorts of weird things. Probably the weirdest would have been one called the Gabriel Method. Have you come across that one? Oh, my gosh, that's so funny because, yes, I actually did do the Gabriel method. Is he from Australia or New Zealand? Yeah, I think he was originally from America, but he lives in Australia now. Okay, I I remember that he was very popular. Oh, you know what? I actually do. I remember his story now for anyone who did the Gabriel method. I remember him talking in his book about how he tried the Atkins diet and gained so much weight that Dr. Atkins yelled at him. Does anyone remember that, that story? Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that story. It's a long time ago. Like he actually had, he worked with literally Dr. Atkins and he was really overweight. And then I remember he and his wife went to Australia, but they were from America. You're right. And then I think his method was really popular there. Was it kind of like a hypnosis kind of, self-hypnosis kind of thing? Yes, it was. Yes. It was great for putting you to sleep. The hypnosis part of it that you listened to every night was set to alpha alpha wave music, I think. And I'd fall asleep by about the third sentence. <laughs> Me too. That's so funny. I don't think anyone's ever said Gabriel Method except for you on the show, but but me. No, I, I haven't heard anyone, but yes. <laughs> I knew there had to be a magic answer out there somewhere. You know, as a Christian, I look at God's amazing creation and how perfect it is and the amount of details that had to be exactly right for us and life to exist on earth. And I thought, think, well, he made us to enjoy eating. It must be easier than this. You know, there must be a way. And sure enough, there was. <laughs> So, yes, it was such a miracle to finally find what that way was. So thank you, Jen. Well, when did you come across it? When when did intermittent fasting come your way? Interestingly, I first heard about it through Trim Healthy Mama. That was my, my next big thing after when my kids were very little, my mum got sick and she spent about four years sick and I was looking after her with also three very young children. So that was a hard four years and you can imagine how much weight I gained during that and went on antidepressants after she died for anxiety and I was huge and about a year after she died I found Trim Healthy Mama and I thought I really had found that magic answer that I'd been looking for and in the first year I lost heaps of weight with THM but then the weight loss stopped and then it gradually started creeping back on again and in hindsight I can see that it was just another diet but at the time it felt like a miracle because I didn't have to be hungry and restrict myself I could just a THM is, is very like, what's her name? You've talked about her, her diet for Suzanne Summers. It's very like that. You separate the fuels. Every meal is based on protein and you either have it with carbs or with fats. Right. Yep. Suzanne Summers, that was exactly that. Her plan. I tried tried her plan over and over again. <laughs> the food was good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, lots of whole healthy food on Trim Health. I never tried the Suzanne Summers, but the Trim Healthy taught you to eat real whole healthy food, which I think made the difference for me in that first year. But I'm sure that all of us THMers are the reason why people get insulin and blood sugar confused because THM concentrates on blood sugar. And 
we all eat to keep our blood sugar down, but now I know it's not the answer either. <laughs> but funnily enough, it was through them that I heard about fasting. I bought their very first original book, which is a huge, great thing, and it went through all their reasoning on how they came up with their plan. And one of the things they had investigated was the Judd diet, the Johnson up day, down day. And they talked about how the down days turn on an SRIT1 gene, I think it was called. Yep, CERT, CERT1, yep. Yeah, and that really fascinated me. And that was always in the back of my mind. And then after I followed that Trim Healthy Mama faithfully for seven years in total, even though I was putting on weight in the last six now, I have a question. Did they want you to do the up-down day? Did they suggest that as part of their plan? See, when this book came out, what year did, did Trend Healthy Mama come out? I'm not sure. What what year were you doing that, or when did you start? Well, it would have been, Mum died in 20, it would have been 2012 that I bought their book, and it hadn't been out for long then. Well, then I don't know how I missed it, because I like to say I missed Trend Healthy Mama because I quit looking for diets in 2014, but if it came out in 2012, I don't now, how I missed it because <laughs> it wasn't big. It was it was quite small to start with, and I heard about it through Christian channels through the Above Ruby's page, and it didn't get big for several years. But now it's everywhere. But they did mention the Judd diet in their book. They did just in their original book, and probably most people that do it now haven't bought the original book because it was a real big volume. They've got more concise versions now, but they only mentioned it as part of their study process, but it just stuck in my head, and I thought, that's really interesting. And then when I couldn't lose it anymore, I tried, there's a sort of an offshoot group where they do the Trim Healthy Mama eating, but they also apply an up day, down day, but I could never get through a 500 calorie down day, and I was beginning to lose hope when I discovered there was also a page for Trim Healthy Mama with intermittent fasting. So I joined that and I started trying that on April the 19th last year, 2019. April 19th of 2019. Yep. And I lasted one week. And in that one week, I gained nearly two kilos and then lost it again and finished the week on my starting weight. So I thought, okay, this doesn't work. (laughs) And I gave up. And it was about a month later on May 19th, I was starting to play with it again because about two weeks after I gave up, I got weighed and realized I had lost weight further from that starting weight that I'd finished the week on. And I thought, oh, maybe it did work a bit. So I started trying it again. And I remember on May 19th telling a friend about it and saying that, you know, I was trying it some days. So I don't have a definite start date, but, you know, I kind of eased into it. Right. Somewhere around the end of May, pretty much. Pretty much. Anyway, then I was saved by somebody in that Trim Healthy group. It was the admin lady, actually, Amanda Whitmer, I think her name is, or Whitner. And she mentioned your book and your podcasts. And I straight away got onto listening to your podcasts, the ones with Melanie, that is, at that stage. And that was that saved me. That told me how to clean fast and I could do it. That made it easy. So, yeah, and I didn't actually buy your book for quite a long time. I think it was in July I bought your book, but I listened to every podcast. I started back at number two and I worked my way through and they kept me going on those days when I was hungry. So they were brilliant. I'm so glad. I really, I feel like I would have, I wish I had had something like this when I was going through it because I, I craved stories from people and really wanted to hear, you know, you read a diet book written by a doctor and, you know, you have all the data there and what to do, but you really want to hear about what people are doing and what they're experiencing. So I'm glad, I'm glad that the podcasts 
This one's my favourite now. I didn't allow myself to start listening to this one until I got to up to date on the other one, even though partway through the other one you started announcing that you were releasing this one. But then when I started this one, it's my favourite. I look forward to it coming out, and we get it on Fridays here, so I guess it'll be coming to my phone pretty shortly. It will, yeah. You should have it today because it, it already came out here, so you should have it. Yeah. Yep, it should be. Very good. Anyway, where were we? Oh, and today's a really good one, by the way. I mean, they're all good, but you're really going to like today's. Oh, yesterday's, oh, sorry, last week's one was a good one too. I felt a bit intimidated coming straight after her last week. <laughs> she was very onto it, wasn't she? Oh, well, you're really, I'm I'm 20 ahead. We talked about this before I started recording, it's, but the, the audience doesn't know. But I'm, I'm 20 ahead. So the one that came out yesterday I mean, the one that came out today was episode 71, and Bronwyn and I are recording number 91. So lots of going to be in between. <laughs> but yeah, they're all good. So everybody's so different. So, well, anyway, I'm glad that you enjoy the stories because I love talking to people and, and bringing the stories. That's that's my favorite thing to do. So I'm glad that glad that you like it. So July of 2019, you, you finally read Delayed on Deny. I did. And the reason I read it was I went public on my Facebook page because I'd lost enough to be noticeable then. And there was a program released in New Zealand called How Not to Get Cancer. And the first episode had just aired. And in that episode, he'd fasted for five days, the presenter. So I thought, right, the time is now. So I put up a big post about it on my Facebook page. And because I run my little business through my Facebook page, I have quite a lot of people on there. And people just latched on. They just loved it. And I have actually started a whole heap of people. I I can count at least 30, but it might be as many as 50, which is really rewarding. And, and they're passing it on now too. And some of them have roared past me and got to goal and living the life and passing it on themselves. And others are just taking it slowly. There's one or two who contacted me weeks or months later and said they'd started only from the information on my post. And it's just really cool. You know, there's, there's one lady, dear lady, she started at about 13 hours and that was all she could manage. And she kept, she kept that up for months. And only about two weeks ago, she messaged me and said, I've just done my first 17 hours. And I was so proud of it. And even she is passing it on to people. So it's just really neat how people are latching onto it. I think the time is right. I think so too. And that's what's so beautiful about it. You know, all the crazy things that I tried, you know, the Gabriel method, I didn't pass that on to anybody. Nobody was like, yeah, I'm going to do this too. You know? <laughs> They're like, yeah, that sounds nutty. Yeah. And even the Trim Healthy Mama, I tried to tell people about it, but it was just so complicated that people couldn't do it mostly, which is a bit sad. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, I didn't try that one, like I said, but I did the Suzanne Summers and you had to keep, you know, your carbs at one meal and your fats at another. And nobody was like, that sounds really amazing. I'm going to join you in that. I, <laughs> nobody. But with intermittent fasting, people that are ready to hear it, when they hear it and when they're ready, they're like, okay, the freedom. And what I love, your your story is a lot like mine. You heard about it. You knew it seemed like it was the right thing to do, but you tried it. It didn't quite. You're like, uh-uh, not for me. But then you circled back around to it. 
Yes, I was so miserable and hungry that first week, <laughs> and I struggled to I struggled to really really embrace that clean flask. To even after I heard about it and knew that was how, what I had to do, I was still stuck in that mindset of the trim healthy mama with their free foods like almond milk is considered free, and I thought, well, surely a bit of almond milk in my coffee won't break the fast because it tasted horrible black. It's still I still don't love it. Ten months later, I still don't love it, but we're getting there. <laughs> But anyway, once I eventually gave it up and thought, okay, I really got to, it was good. You know, it was so much easier. And twice since then, I've accidentally broken the fast and by heck, you know it. Right. It's true. What were the things that you accidentally had? Well, for a start, the baking soda in my coffee did really help me. It made it taste a lot smoother. The salt doesn't make any difference for me. The baking soda did. And I still had a wee jar of stevia with a, uh, they've got little 132nd teaspoons in them, my stevia jars. And I had a similar jar with the baking soda in it. So you can see what happened. <laughs> or one. I can. So you accidentally put stevia in instead of the baking soda. And how did you feel after doing that? Really shaky. It was a real struggle. I was still only doing quite a short fast at that stage. And I think I made it there, but it was hard going. The other time was actually fairly recently. It was, I go to a Bible study on Tuesdays with a group of a couple of friends and it was our first one back after the long summer holiday and we decided that we would have communion together which is not something we normally do but that one little sip of wine <laughs> uh, that was at quarter past two and I couldn't eat until quarter to four and oh I was starving all I could think about was what am I going to eat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, communion's a tricky one because a lot of people have to take communion in the fasted state because they're at church, it's morning, there's communion. And so our rule of thumb is go ahead and have communion, you know, just move it, go about your day. But if you feel shaky or nauseous or, you know, if you feel like you can't go on, go ahead and open your window. Yeah. Yes. And I was aware that we're, you know, it's not considered something you shouldn't do. And I did want to do it with my friends and I knew it wouldn't be that long until I could eat anyway, if it, if it did affect me. But it was really interesting to notice the effect because it had been a long time since the fast had been broken and it was really obvious. Well, one time I just tasted some cream on my tongue just because I wanted, I was cooking something and I was like, ooh, is this cream bad? And I tasted it. I didn't even like drink cream. I just tasted it. And then I was like so starving right after that. It's just from the having it on my tongue. And by the way, do not taste cream to see if it's rotten on your tongue. That's a really bad idea because what if it had been? That would have been gross. But yeah, it was amazing what a difference. Once you're used to the clean fast, and you know what it feels like, you really can feel the difference. Yes. So anybody who's still not convinced, I really challenge you to try it. In my new book, which by the way, Bronwyn, when this episode comes out, we will only be days away from Fast Feast Repeat being available. It's coming out June 2nd. And so days away, go ahead and pre-order it, everybody. So you'll get it on June 2nd. Yay! I'm so excited. But I have something in the new book called the Clean Fast Challenge. For anyone who's not convinced, I want them to fast clean my way, give it a good amount of time, you know, you know, eight weeks even. Try it this way and then experiment with it the other way and see. And, and I, I believe you'll be a believer at that point. You're not going to go back. No, they're not. So when you started, you had been doing Trim Healthy Mama, did you say for seven years? Yes, very close to seven years. Wow. You'd been doing it for seven years and you had lost weight, but you had gained some back. Is that what happened? 
I had gained it all back. It all came back. But you were still doing it because you liked the way the you liked eating the food. You liked the Yes. The food, the way of eating helped me get off those antidepressants that I'd been taking after my mum died. So I knew it suited me and I'm still pretty much eating that way. But the difference now is that if circumstances mean I go off plan for some reason, if you're away from home or whatever, it doesn't affect me. Whereas before it would cause an immediate gain and it would be a struggle or impossible to lose it again. Okay. So, but you still like to eat that way, which is, which is great. But okay. So what happened with your weight after you started intermittent fasting alongside of your trim, healthy mama eating style? Well, I found I didn't have to separate the fuels anymore. All I'm really doing now is eating what they call crossovers, which have both fuels in them now. So there's no real restrictions. It makes me sad, actually. Their, their slogan is food freedom because they don't cut out any major food groups, but this truly is fruit freedom. I can just eat any healthy foods that I enjoy and I feel good and, you know, life is good. So I started at about 91 kilos. I'd been as high as 100 kilos was the worst I'd ever seen on the scales, which is about 220 pounds. But when I started the fasting, I had struggled some weight off by combining Trim Healthy and also going back to Weight Watchers yet again in early 2018 because I desperately had to get some weight off to qualify for a hip replacement. So I was only 47 when I had a hip replacement. I'm about a year younger than you. I'll be 50 this year. So when I started doing the intermittent fasting, I was 91 kilos, and I'm now down to about 79, hovering around. So that is about a 26-pound loss, 12 kilos, So and that's in about 10 months. So for me, it's been pretty slow, only not quite a half a pound a week. Sorry, one pound a week, I would say. So it's pretty slow. But, you know, a half a pound to a pound a week. Yeah, it's about half a pound, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Half a pound a week is that's a slow pace, but if it's, it's sustainably coming off and you finally do feel like you have food freedom, the slow pace is worth it, right? Definitely. Yep. And at the moment, I've been stalled pretty much on the same weight since December. So I'm trying a few new things at the moment. In January, I started trying 4-3 ADF. I actually only planned to do one 40-hour fast, but I felt good. So I did a whole week of 4-3, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I took a week off, and, and that was the week of my period. And then I t- did another week of 4-3. And I was really interested to note that that second week of 4-3 was actually quite hard previously every after every down day I would notice a new low on the scales and of course it would bounce back up after every up day again which is to be expected but on the the sixth down day so that was the end of the second week of 4-3 the weight didn't go down for the first time and I on the Wednesday and the Friday the last two down days I felt quite miserable I got a headache that wouldn't go away and I just didn't feel good so I decided it must be too much fasting for me and I went back to I had previously been doing around about 21.3 and I decided I would go back to that it actually took me three days of a a nine-hour window then a seven hour and then about a five hour to work my way back to 21.3 so then I decided I would just relax it a tiny bit to 24 for three weeks because they say to give everything a three-week try but that hasn't made any changes either. I'm still just stuck on that 79-ish kilos. So just this week, I've gone back to 4-3 again, but instead of trying for 40 hours or 41-ish, I'm just aiming for a minimum of 36. I think that's probably smart just because you want it to feel like something that feels doable. And with the, the research on alternate daily fasting, 
I mean, they didn't have an eating window on up days. So they were not doing a 42-hour fast and then having a short eating window or anything like that. With alternate daily fasting, they were literally just doing, you know, the fast day and then a day of eating. I think they were probably eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But, you know, we get used to fasting, so it feels really weird to try to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner for those of us that are used to an eating window. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Exactly. Yesterday I ate breakfast, lunch and dinner and it did feel weird. It felt a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah. But people struggle with that and they're like, I don't want to eat three meals. I want to eat one. And I'm like, no, do not just eat one. (laughs) Okay. You could do two, try to do two, but don't do one. So yeah. I do want to say, here's something else you might want to think about. You know, we tend to think all or nothing as far as like alternate daily fasting versus the eating window. You could even alternate days with like a really short eating window with a longer eating window. Like you could do 23-1 alternated with 19-5, for example, or 18-6. You could have, you know, one tight meal followed by a day with two meals. You know, just something like that. It it doesn't have to be all or nothing with the alternate daily fasting. Just, you know, the whole up and down pattern can be done in in several ways. Yep. I will definitely give that a try if I can't make the the 4-3 keep on working. So that's good. Because I really do think women our age can get stuck especially if we have a lot of dieting history and, and, you know, you do back to the age of, you said five, you were overweight at the age of five. Yes. And dieting from about 11. It can be really hard for us. Our bodies tend to fight back and, and plateau 
just because of all the diet history and the years of being overweight, I really you know, think the longer we've struggled, the harder it can be. Yes. And I feel like I might be on a point at the moment. This is the size I got to on the first year of Trim Healthy Mama. And this is also the size I got to, although I was a lower weight, but a similar size to this after the second child with Weight Watchers when I got to 74. So I think my body might quite like it here and it might need a bit of time to just break through this point and get down. Yeah, that's a really good point that we call them, you know, set points. And it's like a place where your body is happy. And you know, the science on set points is a, a little murky, just be, but we know that we know from experience, anecdotally, we know that we tend to have that. You know, I am at a set point for my weight and thank goodness I like it. I'm just a happy story where my set point ends up being a weight where I feel fabulous. But let's imagine my set point had been 20, 20 pounds higher. I probably would have had to fight myself to get down lower, if that makes sense. I'm just happy to be lucky. Yes. Well, hopefully I can create a new set point at around 70. And we can. You know, the, what? from what I understand, if you can break through a set point and then get lower, if you can maintain the lower weight for a certain period of time, then your body will accept it as a new set point. But that's the key, getting there and maintaining it. Yes. And that would have been a set point from my younger days too. That's the weight I always tried to get to back in my younger days when I would get down to fit my riding jacket every spring. <laughs> right. And you said that was about 70 kilograms. That was the that was the set point you had then. Okay. So you you maybe nine kilograms to go to get to that set point that was a good one for you. I bet you can get there then. Because that was when you were like a senior in high school. Yes, that's right. Yep. That's also the upper range of the healthy weight for my height. So it'd be nice to be in that range. <laughs> I think I'm quite big boned. Every time I listen to Charlie Rankin's podcast, I'm always amazed that she's got less than five inch wrists and I measure mine each time. The first time they were seven inches and they've now gone down to six and three quarter inches. <laughs> yeah, she's itty bitty. I've got a small frame too. So, you know, it's it's normal for, I've, I really do have a small frame and that's just, we have what we have. <laughs> it's hard to fight it. No, you can't, can you? And I think some of us have denser bones than others too. I've never broken a bone in all my 49 years. So they must be pretty dense. Right. <laughs> Fallen off plenty of horses. Right. I was going to say with all that horseback riding and the falling and yeah. So do you still, you still ride now? Yes, I do still ride. Not as much as I used to, but I do still ride. Um, I was a bit challenging when I was waiting for the hip replacement. I wasn't able to ride a stride anymore because it just hurt too much to open that hip joint. But I still was able to ride side saddle. So I was very glad that I had a side saddle and knew how to ride in it. Oh, I've never ridden side saddle. My family actually raised paint horses. I don't know how universal. Do you know what paint horses are? You probably do. I don't know what. I know what they are. Yes, yes. I'm not an expert by any means, even though my family raised horses, just because they didn't get into it until I was at college. So, and this is my dad and my stepmother. So I was not living there, but I would come home and my brother and my sister really, they were, they showed horses, but they did all the Western type. But I imagine you did what what's called English style, right? Yes, I do. Yes. We have a good English stock here, as I said. So <laughs> that's what most people do here. Yep. And the jumping, did you like, like jumping with your horses? Did you do that? I did do some jumping when I was younger. Yes. I don't jump so much now though. Oh yeah. It, that seems scary to me. I've never jumped on a horse. I've ridden horses, but 
running around galloping is the, the most exciting thing I ever did. Like I said, I was too old. But my sister and my brother, they did barrel racing and all that Western kind of stuff. So That looks like fun too. It does, And my sister was the champion goat tire for her age group in the whole nation. Nice. Wow, that's an achievement. At one point. So I'm just, when she was a teenager, I think you have to be like heartless to do it. You have to like stun the goat and tie him up. <laughs> she was good at that. She could tie up a goat. They tie up calves over here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But they were doing goats for whatever reason. I don't know. I wasn't in the in the, the world like they were. But anyway, I I loved hearing the horse stories just because, you know, you never forget the smell of the horse barn. and You don't, do you? They're just great animals. They sure are. So here you are. You're going along. You've been doing intermittent fasting. And how much weight have you lost with intermittent fasting? Again, tell me again. 12 kilos, which is about 20, 26 pounds. So it's not a huge amount. But I'm noticing the health changes too. I, I don't get tired anymore. I can't say I have boundless energy like some people do, but I don't get tired in the daytime anymore. And my memory's working much better. For example, I can learn a dressage test for my horse, which is about a six, six to eight minute pattern of movements. And I can learn one of those much more easily than I was in recent years. So that's really makes a difference. Yeah, um, that's what I find too. The, the the mental clarity is there. Yes, but I have lots more aims that I'm hoping it might help me with too. As I said, I've got the arthritis and the unreplaced hip in my knees and my hands especially are uh, giving me grief these days. So every morning I wake up with my hands really swollen and stiff and it would be really nice if that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, hopefully intermittent fasting over time will help reverse some of those some of those feelings. Or do you think that did the horse riding kind of cause some of the the joint pain? You think? I don't think so. No, I didn't start riding seriously until my late teens. But I have, in hindsight, looking back, I stopped being able to run. I used to enjoy running, but I stopped being able to run in about 1991, the year I turned 21. If I ran for a week on end, by the end of a week, my hips would ache. So, and I didn't know what it was then, but looking back, it must have been the arthritis. So I don't think the riding caused it. I'm just born with sadly <laughs> deficient joints. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Well, hopefully it'll help because I know that that's a miserable feeling. Fortunately, I mean, I don't have any pain. So at the age of 50... You're very lucky. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> I am lucky, but I do remember though when I was heavy, when I weighed 210 pounds, you know, I was starting to have aches and pains. It was hard to move around. But at the age of 50, I don't have any pain at all unless, you know, like today I ran into the bed frame with my shin and my shin hurts, but that's different. <laughs> injured. I'm injured. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had a, an interesting illness back in 2001, so a while ago now, called Guillain-Barre syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's reasonably rare. It causes paralysis. And I recovered from it mostly, but the right-hand side of my face has never completely recovered from the paralysis. And most people don't notice it in my day-to-day -day life, but I can see when I look at photos of myself that my right eye is kind of droopy and it's got a lot more baggy skin underneath it and it produces tears nearly all the time it's a lot worse when I'm out in the wind or bright sun and it's also worse when I eat there's some sort of connection with the muscles used for chewing that's affecting my eye I think because the ones that are meant to work don't work anymore and I've made some new ways of doing things and the right-hand side of my mouth won't stay shut tightly, which is awkward when you're rinsing your teeth or drinking coffee. I'm always, I'm always spilling my coffee down the right-hand side of my shirt. <laughs> 
So it would be, I don't know if it's even possible, but it would be so nice if that recovered more. You know, that's one my big hope for autophagy. <laughs> that would be fabulous. So what causes, what causes that? Uh, well, it's usually triggered by a virus. In my case, my father-in-law had just died suddenly with meningitis and it was an extremely stressful time. Plus I got just a mild sort of a flu at the same time. And so that would have triggered it for me, I guess. But there are stories of it being triggered by a swine flu vaccine, I think it was or it might have been the actual swine flu years ago. But yes, it's a very random thing. What happens is once it's been triggered, your body decides it has to destroy the myelin sheaths around the nerves in your body. And without the sheaths around them, the nerves just don't work until they regenerate. And there's very little they can do for you. They just have to wait till you recover. And my case wasn't very bad, but some people are so bad that they can't breathe or swallow and they're basically on life support until they recover and it can take months. Wow. Wow, that sounds so scary. It was very scary at the time. I had an eight-month-old baby and my father-in-law had just died and that side of the family was in grief and here was I <laughs> with some sort of weird disease nobody had heard of. <laughs> Paralysis. Sorry, I'm par- paralyzed over here. But it was it was just affecting your face mainly. You didn't have it in other parts of the body. My limbs, my hands and my legs were affected with it in my face, but not. I was never unable to swallow or breathe, which was a great relief, although they kept a very close eye on that. <laughs> Well, definitely keep us posted in the groups and let us know if you see improvement with that over time because that would be amazing. You know, I, w- I would not say that it's it's not possible because of, you know, what the work they're doing with intermittent fasting neurologically and how it's helping with you know, people with MS and things like that, you know, similar type of, yeah, so never say never. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yes. Oh, that's really cool. The myelin sheath is involved in MS as well, right? So Right. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I must look that up. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Because you're still in early days. You've still only been been fasting. It's been less than a year since you started. So you've still got a long way to go. Because it took me, before my allergies were gone, it took me until, gosh, was it 2016 when my allergies went away and I see everything starting to blend together now but yeah so that would be a couple of years probably oh I think it was 2016 and actually coincidentally or not my allergies also went away at the same exact time that I started fasting clean so (laughs) was it time or was it the clean fast I don't know (laughs) maybe combination of both me too me too so you said that you've shared this with people, 30 to 50 people that you know have started doing it, people out of your real life. So are these people that you see day to day or Facebook friends? or No, mostly Facebook friends because a lot of them are, are customers and they're in other parts of the country. Some of them I might have met once or twice, but I feel like I know them because I've been working with them for years, um, you know, making the things they need for their horses. So it's really rewarding. They keep in touch and they let me know how they're doing. And I, I'm... When I bought the book, which was just after I, I was recommending it left, right and centre on that first Facebook post in July the 5th, and I thought, well, heck, if I'm recommending it, I better buy some. So I bought three copies. I downloaded the ebook that night and read it, and then I bought three actual copies and I loaned them out, and they're still permanently on loan all around the country. As soon as one comes back, it's going out to somebody else. I love it. And it is not easy to get it when you're in another country. You have to get it from Amazon US, right? Yes, we do. And things are expensive to get to New Zealand. Our exchange rate is always dreadful and there's always a lot of postage too. So it was definitely worth buying three at once. It made it a lot more sensible with the postage. So yes, it helps people that can't afford them. Well, I appreciate you doing that because 
it's frustrating, I know, for people in other countries to not be able to get it because it's only available through Amazon. And, you know, some countries, the, the Amazons do have it, like Amazon UK offers it and Amazon France, I guess. And some of them have the paperback, but the paperback is only available through Amazon. So that makes it tricky. I don't understand why Amazon Australia doesn't have the paperback, but it doesn't for whatever reason. Maybe all the Aussies should. They should. They totally should. But Delay Don't Deny is completely self-published. So I published through Amazon, which is KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, but they do the paperback as well. But, you know, Amazon has an Australian presence. You can get the Kindle book through Australia, but I just don't know why the paperback isn't. So maybe one day Amazon will get that together. I don't know. (laughs) They did just add the printing on demand in Canada recently. So... That's a good thing. But they actually, when someone orders Delayed on Deny, they print it on demand, which is fascinating. Like someone orders it, they print it and ship it right to you. Gosh, that's very interesting. I never knew that. It is. And it, all all the ones have like a print date. You can see the day they were printed. You can see where they were printed. It's really interesting. Oh, nice. Next time one comes back, I'll have a look. Yeah, look and see where and when it was printed. There you'll know. Well, I, I love that you're you're sharing it far and wide in New Zealand. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'm not the only one too. There's a there's a Facebook group for us New Zealanders based on your book. And I'm sure you know Sarah who runs that page and she does a great job too. Who runs that? Her name is Sarah Cull. She runs our page on, based on your lines. I do. Yep. I know who that is. I'm not sure if I realized she had a page. I may have. There's a lot. And I think she has a number of copies of your book that she helps people with too. She's a nurse. So she's in a position to help people with diabetes, which is really rewarding. That really is. We have a lot of people from the healthcare community that are are moderators. We have some nurses there. And I have a small group of friends here in Augusta. We get together. I didn't know them before, but we get together on Saturday and have coffee and a bunch of them are nurses. So nurses tend to really react well to delayed on tonight. Yes. It's understanding how it works, isn't it? It just turns that light bulb on. Absolutely. And then you're like, aha, you have your aha moment. And then you're like, well, how come everything I've always been taught was wrong? (laughs) I know, I know. That has made me so skeptical, you know, that for the last hundred years, they've told us that and it was wrong. What else are they telling us that's wrong? You know, this whole global warming thing, I'm skeptical about that and everything that the politicians put forth. Oh, I'm even more skeptical than I used to be. Well, if a politician says it, I'm skeptical of it. That's true. Any politician... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's 100% true. No matter what your political leanings, I'm like, yeah, I'm skeptical of all of that. That's 100%. But, you know, it it really does make you mad to think of all the, the time that we wasted with the advice of, you know, and how hard we tried. That's the thing. And, you know, even though you're not where you want to be yet, you're getting there. And for the first time, you're not having to fight your body. Exactly. And I know I'll get there. And I wish I could have shared this with my mum because she battled all her life too. Oh, well, here's, you know, the irony is I have shared it with my mother and she refuses to do it. Yes, that's even said. <laughs> my mum would have latched right on. <laughs> Jen Stevens' mother will not do intermittent fasting. You know, she She lives in another state and she comes and visits and she was here for Christmas and again, complaining about her weight. You know, she used to be a dance teacher and always, you know, she was doing Weight Watchers, like I said, when I was a teenager. And But she's like, yeah, you know, I can't lose the weight. I'm like, well, I could help you, mom. Yeah, there are a few people that are doing it my way, just just a few, and it works. She's like, well, no, I can't do that. I need to eat frequently through, throughout the day. Yep. That's my own mother needs to eat frequently throughout the day. Yep. 
My kids have all latched onto it. Um, they're all teenagers. My oldest boy is doing around about 16, 17 hours of fasting every day deliberately, and he's lost weight and he's feeling much better. The younger two are not officially fasting. They're, one's just turned 14 and the other one will be 16 in a few days. And But I've stopped making them eat breakfast when they don't want to, which they usually don't. <laughs> and they're looking better too. I think that is the key with teens, you know, So many teens don't naturally want to eat at that time of the day. Like I can remember my own boys. When they were in high school, their high school, the county that we live in has a lot of poverty. So the county went to free breakfast and lunch for everybody because it was easier than we have like, you know, the free lunch program and everybody had to fill out these forms. I mean, we did not. We had to pay for lunch. But if you wanted free lunch, you had to fill out the forms. You had to qualify But there were so many kids in the county that qualified so much poverty that the county just said, all right, free lunch, free breakfast for everybody. You know, you don't, it's not need based. It's just every student. At first, I didn't believe my children when they told me that. I'm like, that's not true. You're misunderstanding. They're like, no, really, it's free. And it was. So when lunch and breakfast became free, I said, all right, boys, you can eat breakfast at school. And I stopped like giving them breakfast. And I think they did not eat breakfast at school. I think they went to school and didn't eat because they were busy, you know, socializing with their friends. And so I think that teenagers naturally gravitate toward this a good bit. And, and you know, you don't want to force your kids to eat when they're not hungry. I know. And how stupid is it that we all felt so bad sending them off to school with nothing in their tummy? They're fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if they had wanted to eat at home, I would have allowed them to eat at home. I, I don't want anybody to think that I was not allowing them. But I'm like, hey, boys, free lunch at school, free breakfast at school. Knock yourself out. <laughs> like one fewer thing for me to worry about. <laughs> Exactly. And isn't it great not to worry about it? Not only my own breakfast, but theirs as well. Exactly. It really, it freed up a lot of time in the morning. I can remember I was intermittent fasting at at that point too. And so in the morning I would get up and I would get up and get ready first. And then my job was to get the children up and then I would get my husband up. So I'm waking everybody up so we could alternate our showers and, you know, for the hot water. And so I can remember after I got up, I would just sit on the couch with my black coffee while everybody else is getting ready for the day. And then I had to drive them carpool. They went to a magnet school so that we didn't ride the bus. I had to drive them to school. And then I went to work myself. But, you know, I can just remember waiting for everybody while I'm having my coffee. And it was, I would like watch television and like watch House Hunters or something, HGTV. And it was like my my downtime, you know, I'm relaxing drinking my coffee and and instead of having to worry about feeding people. It was really magical. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Just getting back to people who don't want to do it. My husband needs to lose weight. He feels bad. His knees were worn out, but he won't do it just from sheer stubbornness. <laughs> but like your mum. I get it. That's my mother. They're stubborn. Maybe one day. Yes, I hope so, but we will see. Because he sees you doing it. Yes, well, he's been seeing me and he's he's even proud of me. He even said to me the other day, he's proud of me for keeping sticking to it, even though he brings junk food into the house. <laughs> so that was nice. I have a couple of interesting challenges that I haven't seen a lot. One of them I searched on the page and I found, I think, one person who'd mentioned it is a few hours into the fast, I start producing masses of saliva. And it's quite, it was quite distracting for a start. I've kind of got used to it now, but it still happens. Did you write into the podcast with that question? It's possible. I have written and I don't think I questioned. Somebody did. Somebody, because, you know, that, that's not something we've heard a lot, but somebody wrote into the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, the one I do with Melanie, about that exact issue. And we're like, we don't know. But if you're not the person who wrote in, then you're now the second person I've heard to say that. Yeah, well, I could only find one in the group who was experiencing it from all those thousands of people. So that was interesting. And also the taste in my mouth. I know everybody gets the horrible taste, but it really, it's awful. I really hate it. And it's its not hunger. It's the taste, wanting to get rid of that taste that makes me want to break the fast each day. Okay. So you don't like the way ketosis tastes in your mouth. No, it's really awful. It's its extremely bitter, worse than the bitterness of black coffee. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because I actually kind of like it. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I hope I learned to like it too. Well, I think we probably experience it differently because I, I really do think that, that people do because some people describe it as sweet. Some people say it's metallic. Some people call it salty. But I'm sad that you don't like it. <laughs> it's worth it. I agree. It is worth it. You know, you mentioned the positive health changes that you've had. Besides, you know, the weight loss and the other positive health changes, what are some other ways intermittent fasting has changed your life? Well, I've written in my notes here, It I used to eat to fill up that lonely, empty space inside me. You know, we all eat for these weird reasons that aren't because we're hungry. And for me, it was that, you know, that feeling of fullness made me feel comforted. And I've learnt, you know, I've always known that. Well, for a long time I've known that, but I never knew how to deal with it. But just having that time where you're fasting and you're not allowing yourself to eat has given me that self-control to deal with that in other ways. And I don't need to fill up that space, which is really cool. That really is. And the, the self-awareness to understand that that's happening. Yes, yes. It, it, it does give you such self-awareness, doesn't it? for some reason. I don't know why, but it really does. I really do think it's, it's like what you just said. We dulled our feelings with food and now you're not dulling your feelings or filling up the loneliness and you have you have to kind of face those feelings of, of what they are. And that can, that can be stressful for people too, because they're like, now all of a sudden you're having to deal with the challenges that you were kind of stuffing down. Mm, definitely. 
But as long as you can find a way to deal with them, it just changes your life, doesn't it? It does. And you become more confident. Mm, Definitely. Yes. And and just seeing myself in the mirror too, or catching a glimpse in a shop window and seeing a normal person, you know, that does wonders for your confidence, doesn't it? Instead of seeing a fat lady waddling along. Yes. And in photos, I still, I mean, this might surprise you still, I've been at goal for five years now. So I've been, you know, this size pretty much for five years. And still, when someone takes my photo and I I still search it, I stare at, I zoom in, I look, I'm like, what does my belly look like? What does my butt look, you know, (laughs) I still am afraid I'm going to look at that photo and see, you know, my 210 pound self staring back at me. Oh, it's sad. I hope that changes eventually for you. <laughs> well, I always am happy, but I i mean, I, I look at it. I'm like, oh, look, I look great. I still look great, but I still look at it with like, am I not going to look great? But anyway, that, that sounds crazy, but I still look at photos. I just remember all those years of being horrified with how I looked in photos. So it's nice to say, oh, I, I like the way I look in photos, but I'm still surprised by it even now. Yep. I guess that's what it is when I see myself in a shop window. It's the surprise. You don't expect to see that because you haven't seen that for years and years. <laughs> and I've also learnt the difference between being full, physically full, and being satisfied. And I think the cause of that is the right kind of food that you need. You know, you've talked about this many times, eating nutrient-dense food. And if you've eaten what you need, you feel satisfied, which is a different feeling than being physically full. So that's been a learning thing for me too, which is nice. I'm still, you know, working on stopping when satisfied some days because versus eating because the food is still there. You know, I still will clean my plate if the food is still there, even though I'm like, oh, I really am, but I'll still keep eating it. And so that's always, I think, going to be a struggle for me. I, I hear that I've had enough. My, my, I hear the appetite correction, but I still don't always 100% obey it. Yeah, I'm still a bit inclined to eat for future hunger, which I know we shouldn't do too, but I'm working on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I I understand that. And it's all those years of dieting when we were so hungry. Yes, exactly. We don't want to feel that, but it's so different when you're fasting. It really is. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I wish I knew when I'd started that it was normal to gain weight and that it would eventually lose. (laughs) And of course, I I wished I'd known about the clean fasting too and done it right from the beginning. But but yes, knowing that you're going to gain, that was a big shock to me. I really didn't expect that. So when I'm helping people, I always tell them that that's a possibility and that they need to give it at least a month. I also wish I'd known to take photos and measurements and not just rely on the scale. It wasn't for a long time that I started taking photos and measurements on purpose. That's good. The photos are the best, I really think. Looking at yourself from the different angles, you can really see your body change in those photos. You can, yes. I've got a few items of clothing that I take photos in from time to time, a dress in particular that's almost at the point where I could wear it out in public. I can do it all up now. <laughs> so we're getting there. <laughs> and that's a dress you wore in the past and you, you saved it? Actually, it's not. I do have some other dresses that I wore in the past. It's not your sizing. This is New Zealand and Australia sizing, but I've got a size 12 dress from way back in my past when I was probably about 20. And it's about four inches from zipping up. And the interesting thing is that I'm buying size 12 New Zealand sizing clothes now, but they're not the same. We obviously have been affected by the vanity. So I'm sort of between a 12 and a 14 in our sizing now. But when I can fit into that size 12 from my 
age of about 20, I'll know that I'm back to where I was. <laughs> you're there. And the thing about New Zealand sizing, you're 12. Is it more like our eight? Probably around about an eight, yes. I have tried Googling it, but it depends what Google chart you look up. Some of them convert it differently, so I'm not really sure. Is it like UK sizing? Hmm. I'm not sure about that either. I think they might be different again. Probably. <laughs> We got to be wacky. Everybody's got to be different. I know. You'd think they could all be the same. It's like driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> That's right. Oh, what side do y'all drive on in New Zealand? Do you drive on the UK side? Yeah, we're on the left. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> yep. So anyway, when I'm helping people, I always try and explain that one-way switch, how you can either be burning food or fat and body fat, and the only way to get into burning body fat is to keep your insulin low, and that seems to really make the light bulb come on for people. And knowledge is power too. I, t I loan them your book if I can and tell them to learn, you know, how it works. And if you know how it works, you keep it up and you do it for life. I spend a lot of time in the Trim Healthy group too, the intermittent fasting Trim Healthy group. It's, it's a non-official group because the Trim Healthy people don't support fasting. But I spend a lot of time in there telling them not to drink the THM sippers all day long, which is sweetened with stevia because I'm sure that's what prevented me losing weight and explaining why. They need to know why, that it's insulin, not blood sugar. So knowledge is power, people. Right. I think it's so fascinating that they had Dr. Johnson's up and down day in their first book, and now they're like, don't do fasting. Yeah, although that wasn't full fasting. It was just, and it wasn't recommended by them either. It was just an interesting fact that they had drawn knowledge from. So it's interesting that they're so anti-fasting because they could help so many more people if they wouldn't be, but that's life. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, hopefully they'll catch up with the science because Having it having it appear in the New England Journal of Medicine, I think, is really turning the tide. People are realizing, oh, wait, this isn't just a fad that they're doing in Hollywood. This is a real thing, and it's for the health benefits, not just for a crash diet. And it's something that you can do forever. That's the best part. Well, Bronwyn, thank you so much for talking to me from the future. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> and um, I look forward to following your progress in our Facebook groups. Thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.